500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot g'day everyone and welcome to expand the phantom podcast my name is dan and i'm one of the team at chronicle chamber and uh, our website chroniclechamber.com um joined tonight by a uh, a, a wide array of the the chronicle chamber team really exciting tonight because it's a a big uh, announcement and a big uh, publication and something that we've been hinting at for a while or um, uh, that, is, that is coming in time for Christmas. So um, we'll we'll talk all about it. You already know I'm talking about the Phantom Bible because that's the uh, the title of the podcast. But what is that, and uh, where's it come from, and what's the go with it? And to to talk about uh, what is a really exciting publication, I think um, is as I said, a wide range array of the Chronicle Chamber team. So we'll start with Germ. How are you, Germ? G'day all. Uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, thank you for the introduction. G'day, everyone. Um, looking forward to Christmas. <laughs> yeah, is that we're recording early in December, um, which means, Steve, you're nearly on Christmas holidays as well. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. One more week to go and then I'm on holidays. And I'm, yeah, very much looking forward to this podcast and hearing, um, you know, that the, the how it was built and how it was developed, but also hearing from a couple of creators who on my screen, they're actually on either side. They're uh, bookending the, uh, <laughs> uh, the the conversation. I think it's going to work out well. That, that's very appropriate. And uh, and you're right, we do have a couple of creators, but con- uh, Chronicle Chamber contributors as well. Um, many m- Men of many talents, we might say. Um, also in Melbourne uh, with near Steve is uh, Duncan. How are you, Duncan? How are you going? I've managed to make it inside the house um, as a person <laughs> podcasting from the car as usual. Uh, thanks for having me uh, on the show today, and it's uh, very much looking forward to seeing the the unveiling, official unveiling of the Phantom Bible website. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and our one of our Indian contributors, uh, Ankit Mitra. How are you, Ankit? Doing great. Thank you guys for having me for on this podcast. I mean, like I've been very excited about this Bible for a long time because. I refer to it from time to time, you know, it was being developed and it's it's a huge, huge thing because I myself, I'm a continuity freak and uh, it just makes me feel a lot more like, you know, like safe when I'm reading it in some <laughs> way. We all know the phantom stories are all over the place. Well, as as we've said, like with Ankit as a, as a uh, an artist uh, for uh, Shakti or Regal, mostly Ankit, kind of both. Both, <laughs> and uh, and Duncan, of course, is a writer for Fru. Um, it's fantastic to to have people who are published creators to be talking about this, the Phantom Bible. Now, uh, we we might as well dive straight into it. And Jim, I'm going to ask you straight up. Um, it, in 25 words or less, <laughs> <laughs> what is the Phantom Bible? What, what's what's the, the bird's eye view? Big picture, what is it? Okay. Um, basically, I'm trying to think. Um, it's an online resource which narrows down con- continuity, continuity um, and a stable timeline, a stable bible reference guide of the phantom um when there's contradictions we highlight it we tell you which one to go for and it's basically for creators it's not for the fans so to speak 
it's more for people like Duncan um, and and stuff like that. Uh, we've even got uh, some editors that have been using it as well. So it's it's more for them. Right. So so this is a project um, that you in particular have been working on for probably 12 months or more now? Yeah, I started at mid, mid-early December last year. Yep. Um, this has been, I probably went health of leather probably for three, four months. And then probably for the last six months, we've really just been, we've given it to our Patreons to have a bit of a look at. We've got some feedback for some Patreons. Uh, we've been giving it to a lot of creators. Um, so, you know, people like Duncan, who's, in, who's been involved in giving us some feedback. Uh, Shane Foley uh, has actually found some mistakes that I've made, so we've fixed those. He's actually um, built upon some holes that have been found in in what we've identified as well, and he's creating stories for those. Uh, Mikkel uh, Lick uses it for um, uh, when he reviews the Phantom Men stories. So, for instance, a, a recent example was a character had red hair, where in the past she had blonde hair. So we were able to correct that. So then that way she is now consistent. Okay. I guess that's what we're trying to do is provide consistency amongst phantom stories from around the world. Right. And now that's, that's a really important point, I think, of that word consistency you just said there, because one thing that we do know as fans ourselves, but also as people who speak to uh, phantom comic readers, that, that idea of a continuity of the phantom is much more important for this character than it is for a lot of, um, you know, characters from other franchises. Would I be right there? Marvel Marvel readers, DC readers are far more accepting of alternative timelines and alternative universes and things being different, whereas Phantom fans are very much, um, you know, like the continuity of the Phantom and that's part of the appeal. Yeah, it might have something to... Oh, I'll be interested in what the others think on this, but it might have something to do with the fact that we're all old as well that read the Phantom um, and maybe we're less forgiving. <laughs> Well, well, I think you're being unkind to Unkit, who I think has got us all covered in the youth stakes. <laughs> but, I'm I mean, not that young anyway. I, I'm 34, I'm, so I'm pretty much middle-aged in a way. Hey, so, see, I'm still in my 30s, so there you go. You've got a few days left in that, have you, done? <laughs> so, 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 Anchor, well, Anchor well, what, why is continuity important for you? I'll be Sorry, Dan, I'll be just in, intrigued why it's important for other fans. Yeah, uh, for me personally, I have that it's probably my OCD. The thing is, continuity has always been important to me. And uh, if anybody's seen my bookshelf, they'll understand why. Like even like you know, but but the very fact of the matter with the Phantom is, I find uh, the biggest problem with the Phantom has been uh, because of con- the issues is in storytelling. I'll say why continuity is important because if you look at it this way. Lee Fox himself was not very consistent in his stories. He was extremely inconsistent. So for anyone who's a fan, sometimes a fan is more obsessive towards something than say the creator. The creator thinks of it as a creator's approach is very different from that of a fan always. Like, you know, something like it's it's almost like, you know, you 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 watch the World Cup soccer, right? The person who's playing on the field, he has a completely different way of thinking and what he's doing at that moment of time. Whereas fans, after the game is done, sit, tear, analyze and do things which he's not even like 
considered and that's exactly what happened that's why we have fox stories which are like very very like convoluted like if you actually start reading them and then you start going back and then you, you notice so much inconsistency that uh, it, it's just very difficult to wrap your head around as a fan it's very difficult then you have to be a little bit detached like it doesn't matter but it does matter that is the important part to all the fans because they love the character so much it does matter to them so to clean that part out we need to place our own theories or something like that you know how it happened why it happened and it's and it's across the board it's not for phantom even even for dc marvel all of it like and one of the easiest way people say is a alternate timeline Mm. but uh, but alternate timelines are not something that is very used to like a character like the phantom who doesn't have that you know the that bit of magic and magic realism in his world especially with the fact that there are so many publications of that same character coming out that too with their own like thing like team phantom and team phantom has done so much for the phantom probably more than what is there on the strips to flesh out the history and everything and another thing is the phantom is a character which is open to even more or uh, convolution of its history because of the generational uh, style that the character is inherent so those things so and and as a fan like if all of that is cleaned out and there is something like very nicely laid down that this is the way to go i think it's a very good experience for a fan also that way to enjoy the stories even more like he feels even more connected like his fandom feels a lot more uh, uh, how should i say like uh, like fulfilled you know his mm-hmm. fandom feels justified like like he's followed the character from its beginning in such a manner and, and he knows the history that he's not going to get so i think that is why continuity is very important because as a reader it gives you a sense of completion and also a sense of like you know uh, knowing where the character is going or is has done yeah. What about you, Steve? Is that how it um, plays out for you? Do you have that sense of um, satisfaction and completion as well? I guess so. Um, just uh, you know, listening to you there, I was, I was agreeing with most of it, and and then you know the ref, uh, referring to DC and Marvel, and I think one of the big differences with the Phantom, whether it be in Fru or Team Phantom or, or whatever, is that there's no um, uh, no rebirth, no redo, or anything like that. Where if um, DC want to say, oh, geez, we've we've gone as far as we, we've pan ourselves in the corner, so well, that'd be the last issue of that run. We hit the reset button, and you know they've done that. You know, well, a few times just in recent years that I can remember. You know, like we got uh, the new Fifty Two in DC, and then I think it became Rebirth. Some you know a few years later. So, um, and the fandom doesn't have that. So the the strip has been is continuous since when was it nineteen you know. I'm going to say the wrong date. I was about, it's 936. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I second-guessed myself then. I didn't want to cut you in. I want to see if you got it wrong or not. Because yeah. <laughs> I was talking about DZ, I almost meant 38. Um, yeah, but it's, been, it's the same character from 1936 to now, and that's a hell of a continuity. No, I don't think anyone else can beat that. Um, and just like Ankit said, um, uh, Falk, didn't care. well. I'm not saying he didn't care, but it wasn't at the forefront of his mind. Mm. Um, if he just so happened to write a sequel to a story, there are so many inconsistencies in that sequel compared to uh, whatever the original story was. So um, hopefully, this Bible can can help. Um, I know iron out these inconsistencies, 
um, be great for creators to to look at and and just keep it in in mind to um you know give the fans some service and you know especially those fanatical fans. Yeah. What about you, um, Duncan? You you strike me as someone who reads a lot of DC and Marvel. Am I wrong? <laughs> Uh, you're not wrong. You're accurate, and that's why I disagree with your comment. But the yeah. first thing I want to say is that, for me, continuity is about trust. It's about establishing a trust between the creator and the reader. And and it's not just with the fan, and that's with anything, down to your breakfast cereal. So if you have Cocoa Pops and you get them off the shelf every week and you eat them and you get used to the flavour and the taste of Cocoa Pops and the company all of a sudden puts Sultanas in them as an extra surprise... They've breached the trust because it didn't say Cocoa Pops now with Sultanas. It just they're still saying it's the same thing. I came expecting a chocolate milkshake only crunchy, and I got a chocolate milkshake only crunchy and a little bit of Sultana brand. <laughs> and continuity is that to the reader. And if you violate that trust, you break that trust or, or behave inconsistently, the reader notices and says, Well, this is testing our relationship, and I might go away and not come back. Oh. And why I think it's just different for the Phantom is a lot of the readers. Uh, aren't like me they don't read other um, mm. comic stories or, or or devour other fiction uh this is their fix and so if you break that trust you're breaking the only connection that they've got with that kind of world and that they're, that they're harder people to draw back and i think we've probably seen examples of that over time where because the phantom uh fans are, are largely loyal to the phantom um they'll go off reading those stories and won't discover their way back to it again unless they're reintroduced directly by someone or, or an event. But with the Marvel and DC stuff, I agree with what you're saying, Stephen, about how they had the opportunity to reset. Um, and I, But I still think that where there's been inconsistencies, it has caused friction with fans. Mm -hmm. Like if they do that reset and they make the fan, make Batman use a gun, which is his rule that he doesn't break, or if they... Um, uh, the parallax issue with Greenland in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, if or and and it can go bad like those examples, or it can go well like one of the unwritten rules in uh, in Marvel for years is that there were two characters you couldn't bring back to life. In all of this, you know, Superman died, Superman came back to life, the Hulk died, the Hulk came back to life. The the two characters you couldn't resurrect were Uncle Ben from Spider Man and uh bucky from uh captain america because they were part of the reason for that that hero becoming the hero and ed brubaker wrote a story um where bucky came back um and that was the winter soldier and that was the inspiration for one of the more successful uh, marvel cinematic interpretations but the book that that was based on by brubaker divided fans way more fell down on the side of this is a great way to bring Bucky back. Mm. And now that's in continuity and Winter Soldier's got his own comic book. And with The Phantom, I think um, where we do that, it it, it scars the, the fan and they go away thinking that Defenders of the Earth, The Phantom is magic and can bring forth the strength of 10 tigers and he's got magical powers. Or they read the little people and they go, what's going on there? Is he on an LSD trip? And or um, they didn't like the dynamite version or um, they've been poisoned by somebody putting Sultana in their Cocoa Pops and they haven't come back. 
Well, that's a uh, it's a metaphor that even my kids would understand, Duncan. So I think I thank you for that. It's <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good point, and I guess it, it raises the question about. Um, it, it, you're getting me thinking about maybe two levels of continuity, like in, in all those resets that you're talking about, the issues that people had would be if the character was different. It's, the character still needs to be the same. It still needs to have all those same attributes. Green Lantern still needs his ring. Um, Fandom still needs to work with old jungle sayings, all those sorts of things. Um, but the what strikes me is that Phantom readers are probably more um, attuned to the Phantom universe as well Whereas in in the the correct if I'm wrong, but those American comics, it's, you're more likely to be able to mess with the universe and the other characters as long as your your main hero is the same. Would that be right? Yeah, and, and like there's been some successful like what if kind of storylines with those other publishers, and you know there's a there's a great um, um, standalone uh, mini series of Batman where Bruce Wayne just becomes a detective, never becomes Batman, he just becomes a detective for the Gotham City Police Department. Oh. And um, and he's he's still in pursuit of the the more extreme of the the villains that they're looking for, and he starts chasing a serial killer. Um, and to your point with um, the Phantom, when we've talked about this in a previous podcast uh, with Germ, uh, I think my personal opinion is Falk had the option to do that natural reset in the storytelling that he had, having those different generations of the Phantom. He could have kept. The Phantom story contemporary to real life and included things like World War II and um, the Vietnam era and um, introductions of technology and mobile phones and computers and things like that. But he had to reset the character each time to do that authentically. And so the inconsistencies that you're kind of getting are, like Ankit said, you're going to get them in 80 years of stories because some of those older stories wouldn't work now. Mm. Because yeah. there's technology to fix it or the culture is different. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've talked about why continuity is important and who it's important to. Let's focus on, I guess, what you in particular, Germ, but Chronicle Chamber is trying to do to um, to support fandom writers and creators in that. And that's in this creation of the online resources you've said. You've titled it the Phantom Bible. It's at phantombible.com. Um, anyone who wants to go and check that, I'm sure the link's in the show notes. There's no doubt about that. And hopefully you've already had a good chance to to scroll around and explore. But just for, for people who haven't and, and for people who are starting to think, well, hang on, don't we have an online resource who that already tells us all about the Phantom and all the rest of it. That's the Phantom Wiki. So how is the Phantom Bible different to the Phantom Wiki? And probably, Jim, you're the best place to answer that one. Uh, it's a good question. It's probably something that we probably spent a good month or so nutting out and trying before we even started adding the content is how can we make it different to the Wiki? Is there room for it or could we just add to the Wiki? Um, and it went, the conversation actually went beyond us as well. Um, in, you know, in the five or six of us in here. Now, the best way of describing how it's different from the wiki is the wiki includes everything. It includes comics, when a comic was released, who the cover artist was. And then if you go to say like the first phantom, it will have the first phantom according to Moonstone. First Phantom according to Bastia, First Phantom according to Team Phantom, and First Phantom according to Lee Fork, and First Phantom according to Free Publications. So it literally is like a Wikipedia where it includes everything, warts and all, and tells you from a 
a um, statistical point of view, I guess, of like Moonstone has the first phantom like this, Leaf Fork has the first phantom like that, where the Bible, in a sense, gets rid of all of the inconsistencies and tells you this is what the first phantom is. So now for major, well, for in major inconsistencies, like for instance, uh, we do make mention of it and then we suggest which one we believe is correct. Like for instance, Lee Fork has certain phantoms marrying the same woman. So we'll include that because that's a major inconsistency and then we'll let you know which one we believe. But then what the wiki also does is it also tells you things like what colour horse did the phantom have? What colour hair did he have? Where did he go to school? Sorry, the Bible has these. Yeah, the Bible, sorry. Um, uh, like, um, oh, what so was it? So the wiki, for instance, would tell you all of the stories that the first fan has been in and, as you've said, the different, slightly different variations of history that the publishers may have, but yeah. they're not going to give you that sort of level of detail like what you've just said, colour of horse, colour of hair, um, name of animal companion if they have one, who their wife was. That's not listed so much in the wiki, but that level of detail which creators can can use to be consistent and maintain a continuity, mm. uh, that's there. Is that That's what you're saying? Yeah, and then there's also images involved as well. Um, like, so, for instance, you can see whether the whether that phantom had long hair, whether he had big sideburns, whether what Mister Walker outfit he wore, um, and then we've also gone to the point of where we actually include the characteristics of the phantom based on the stories that have been produced, um, and I know we've got that yeah, a little bit further down. So. There's so many things that you just said there that we want to bury into a little bit more <laughs> detail. But what I want to what I want to cut to actually is I want to get throw to, to Duncan and Ann Kit, guys. You're you're creators of the Phantom, and and um, uh, Jermaine spoke to each of you in depth as he embarked on this project and and got your thoughts on the usefulness of it or what would be useful in it, that sort of thing. Can you can you cast your minds back to twelve months ago when you're having those conversations to? to say what your initial thoughts were about the concept of something like this. And then I guess um, further, I guess we'll, we'll explore this in, in, in more detail later, but I guess the usefulness of something like this to, to creators of, um, of the character. So, yeah. So one of the things was like, to be very honest, my contribution to this was far less than what Duncan probably has because in India, I don't have access to as much information rather than I just mainly the strips are my thing than, you know, the team phantom and stuff because it doesn't come here. And whatever team phantom I have is thanks to the generosity of you guys here, whatever you guys have sent over. So, but more importantly for me, it was, it was important because as you know, I'm like, I have always said, I'm a continuity freak, but also when I'm a, like, I don't want to stop just at covers and all doing things and all. So at a, at a point of time in my head, when I go through the Phantom Bible and when I, when I, when, when the talks about this was going, the things that especially from the strip wise, what bothered me were the, like, because I'm Indian, the first thing that came to me was that huge inconsistency of, you know, the Maharaja's daughter, which the Phantom married. And it was attributed to two different phantoms. I still remember. I think in a Sunday story, it was something else. In a daily story, it was something else. 
so that thing so because clearly to me at one point of time i always wanted to know <clears throat> like which phantom came to india for the first time mm. that was actually one of my main uh, things and i had actually tried that on phantom wiki to figure that out but there was never a definitive answer that when i felt like you know the the and from doing the math and everything i kind of as the bible was expanding itself i thought the 13th would have a very good chance of being the first to you know come this way and my contribution was like literally i like you know because germ is as obs- probably more obsessive than i am and so like before i could get back to him and tell him something it's already been fixed and so yeah you know things like that so yeah and and, and it, it was very helpful that way because for me uh, the the, men- the point you mentioned that in the wiki it was always moonstone this or uh, that that separation of all the different publications having their own timeline uh, this was a very good way to read also another thing was this resource gave you some very critical things like uh, say for every phantom there are very, some very critical stories which have to be read others you can like it's okay it doesn't affect his timeline that way but uh, those critical stories helped me also track down to see which fru or phantom in issues i wanted to read because you know it that it just give enriches your uh, experience with the character mm. so yeah that that's been mine uh, cool thanks mate and, and what about you duncan as a as a writer i suppose is it is it more relevant than um than that or like because that, that's a fantastic oversight from from Anki but you're going to be looking at it from a different point of view uh well to build on uh germ's breakdown of it of the old versus the new testament of the phantom bible um I, I echo Ankit in saying that we have been on that very much on the outskirts of this project and it is very much the lion's share of the work being done by Jermaine Parker phantom detective um <laughs> and it, it to, as a as a creator this um this is a resource and a reference as a jumping off point for inspiration and as a sense check for reining you in if you're going off in the wrong direction as a um whereas with fandom using fandom wiki as a reference or to answer your initial question what was my first thoughts when germ told me this i my first thought was why didn't you suggest this before I filled five notebooks up with my own notes about where I thought the continuity went? Um, and uh, and and as a result, I was having the conversation with Germ, and that's why I think this website could also be called Ask Germ, um, <laughs> and just save a lot of late night messenger conversations. But um, it's a reference for a creator, but as a fan, uh, it's the ultimate debt settler, the debt settler. So at two o'clock in the morning, you're not going to fisticuffs after a phantom dinner because we're arguing about you know who the Maharaja was, who the Maharaja's daughter was married to, um, <laughs> because we can pull it up on our phone and and have that ref- have germ in our pocket. We can ask germ um, <laughs> even if he's passed out in the corner. So, um, uh, but but it's very much if you look at uh, just using something like Phantom Wiki or Comic Book Database as a reference for someone who's trying to be a creator uh it has limitations and the bible is filling the gap of those limitations by by putting substance around it and putting it in in a in a sensible order and as you'll go through with the podcast you'll break down the the different sections of the website and how they can be used and we can talk about that in more depth but the um 
as a as a reader one of the ways that um i think we haven't really touched on with the discussions that we've had with the people in this group or in the podcast so far is new readers and so if they like a particular era of the phantom the bible is their their pathway to go back and find some of those other stories to find more about that particular character because there might be something about a villain or a period of time where the phantom existed um existed uh that they want to be identified with and i've introduced the phantom to some younger readers with friends and family or children of um friends and family uh and one of the things they come back with is i not only i want more by the person who wrote or drew this i want more about this phantom i want more mm. about where he's fighting these pirates or he's doing this part of the world and like ankit said where's all the indian stuff where's all the stuff that's relevant to me and all of the team phantom and stuff is relevant to history stories or or geography that's relevant to a lot of the european readers um but uh you know there's a whole world of of existing fans and potential fans and the bible is a window to get them back to to explore that wider phantom universe mm. and certainly plenty of uh, australian fans um and readers want to know which is the australian stories when did the when did the phantom visit australia so you're ex ex and whatever whatever it is that is relevant to to the individuals so look we, we're speaking all around we probably should actually have a bit of a look at, at what it is um so this is uh the you know i'm hyper i need that thing to get up uh, to slide up and hopefully i can operate this a little bit better now so um this is the phantom bible this is the home screen of it um and uh it starts out by setting out exactly what it is and 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 what it's not so that's kind of what we've uh we've talked about there now people can can read over this uh for themselves germ but can you give us like again a bit of a synopsis as well i guess it's um what the what you how you see this being used and for who um well pretty much what uh pretty much what duncan said duncan uh said it quite well so um initially was for me was a resource for the creators because i got sick and tired of reading stories where creators are thinking of the phantom as tarzan dressed up in purple or batman in the jungle or reading horrible stories like president kennedy's mission um they just they were just irritating me they were just they were really irritating me all these really poor stories um and i just thought it needs to be something there needs to be a um a bible and so i got um we even did a podcast on it and i just thought no one else is going to do it so i guess let's just do it um and, well it does it does yeah. take a special level of obsession with which, which <laughs> has already referred to and when you say you had a, you, you knocked out a lot of this in the first three or four months i do remember a number of conversations with you and you're just um you just knee deep in this all the time um yeah. let's let's just sort of go through and show people a little bit about it i guess um so that they know the depth of what we're talking about so uh the home page we were looking at there so that you've got a, a subsection the myth here which goes into 
I guess some of some of the key elements um, that I guess when I was referring to earlier about what makes the character the character, these are the things. These eight things are uh, what makes the Phantom the Phantom as opposed to another character. So the legend behind him, the oath, the costume, what the skull ring, the good mark ring, the Phantom's face, Mister Walker, and uh, and old jungle sayings as well. Um, which is one of the ones I mentioned again, just to, to duck into one randomly, the skull ring we've got here. Um, and so Pete, you'll be able to see if you, you're watching us on YouTube, we've got a page here that's all about the skull ring. And uh, as Jim sort of alluded to earlier, um, he does um, acknowledge the fact that there are two origin tales of the skull ring, um, which one he sees or which one is more widely accepted as law. Um, and then some reference points to both of those for people who want to see them and uh, some various examples, I guess, for for artists to to see how other artists have depicted the skull ring and also identifying that the skull mark leaves a uh, leaves a mark and you need to include that and what the Phantom does when he's not, uh, doesn't want everyone seeing his skull ring as well. So um, really good example, again, if you're a new creator, exactly how that, that aspects yeah. you know that the skull ring is a thing for the phantom but what exactly does it what does it mean yeah um, sorry just to cut in there you make a good point where like and doing this podcast you talk to so many writers or artists and you talk to them all oh, so you know king features give you some source materials or and they go nah and i said what do you mean do they give you the stories nah I said, do they give you like a you know, like a list of this is what the Phantom looks like or not? And it's always the same thing. So I guess that's what this is supposed to be is, mm. you know, so then that way when, you know, when Duncan, because he can do everything else, starts drawing his own stories, he can actually see what, you know, what the costume looks like, where the mask goes, what... What the skull ring looks like, what a Mr. Walker outfit looks like back in the, you know, 1600s or, you know, there's all those resource materials. So then that way, one, the writer doesn't have to produce as much, which means, or he doesn't have to find it himself, which means it's less work for him, which means he can do more. And then the artist doesn't have to make up stuff or create his own inconsistencies because he wasn't shown in the first place. Mm. I've just um I was scrolling through the Mr. Walker costume page um while you were talking. I had to stop here because you mentioned President Kennedy's mission earlier and I have a suspicion that uh that the Phantom suit out of context um <laughs> might have come directly from that story. Uh you wouldn't have him strolling into the foyer of the United Nations headquarters. <laughs> Where have I seen that in a story before? <laughs> I think that's a that's a that, that's fairly pointed, Joe. <laughs> Look, um, yeah, look, some of this was written and discussed and done at like, you know, one, two, three o'clock in the morning. Um, there was some late nights doing some of this, but look, it's, you know, and, and to be honest, it wasn't just me who pointed that out about this story. I've had conversations with at least half a dozen to a dozen examples of people saying, why have they done this or, or anything like that as well? So it's not just me. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we'll keep moving through. There's a section here, Essential Law, and um, that is who the Phantom is. And I know that there was a lot of conversations, Duncan, that you were particularly involved in at this stage as the Essential Law 
was coming together. Um, do you want to give us a bit of a behind the scenes to to the conversation, the types of conversations you were having with Germ as as this these pages came together? Ethics and moral code, generosity, the courage of the phantom, the justice, the strength, um, all of those elements. I think it goes back to what what we were saying earlier, where the the essence of the character, and so a lot of the um, I guess motivation behind. Um, Germ's frustration and shared by a lot of the fans is uh, when a uh, either a publisher or, or a creative team or a writer or, or an artist interprets the character in a way that we're not expecting, and so um, and and hence why he's created this resource. And I think with some um, some when a new publisher starts off with writing you know um, new stories they might go off on a tangent um because there's a particular style they want to represent or a particular story or a time period or a futuristic or past story or whatever they want to do having these key elements that are listed there we're sort of saying distilling it down to saying if you want to make him a steampunk uh person in in that world with the rules of that universe if you want to put him into the future where he's a he's ai and he's a robot and if you want to go back and look at a caveman phantom and what that would look like if the walker line um, extended back to Cro-Magnon Man, um, as long as the essence of the character stayed the same, the fan would more than likely go along with you. Mm. Um, perhaps if Lee Falk had read that, we might not have had the little people. But um, <laughs> but in, but it, but in there, people get that confident from you today. <laughs> But, uh, like but it, just as we pulled up the uh, the animals page and Steggy features, <laughs> therefore part of the Phantom Bible. Uh, I'm less I'm less offended by Steggy and uh, Sue than I am by the little people. But um, <laughs> the because uh, it's so hard to explain away. Um, uh, but the the, the pit that you're hovering on there, uh, I think Sorry. it comes a lot down to it, to his ethics. Because that's really his morality is what sets him aside from the average man and what sets him aside from other characters. And I think if you really talk to a lot of true Phantom fans, uh, it's the Phantom's virtues that appeal to them, that that he is um, the embodiment of the things that he believes in. He, he is his principles. And so if he makes those rules for himself, that he'll follow them. You know that he doesn't kill people and that uh, he'll always do things for the side of good and then he'll fight evil uh, piracy and cruelty in all its forms and if he doesn't do that then you're violating the trust of the fan just like the fan would be violating his oath and i think the person who that kind of character appeals to because they might maybe because they're not seeing that same justice in the rest of their life or they want that escapism or they're a kid who wants someone to aspire to an aspirational hero. And that's what the Phantom was to so many um, young fans that became older fans. Um, it's because he's showing that ethical code or that moral code. And, mm. um, and we talked backwards and forwards with Germ about, uh, about ethics, about, you know, different kinds of why he wouldn't be a certain kind of ethical belief, over ethical belief system over another. And so, for example, um, um, what's it? Um, consequentialism, or um, um, where you're saying like the like Captain Kirk, the great the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Mm. That doesn't apply to the Phantom because with that 
um, with consequential ethics, you could make an argument like Thanos in uh, in Avengers Endgame. He's trying to say the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. He's saying the world can't exist if we have, well, the universe can't exist if we have this many people. So if I snap and just randomly take half the people away, the universe can continue. If I don't do it, you're all going to die. And that's that's an example of consequentialism where he's saying, I'm ultimately doing a good thing. So if I have to do a bad thing to do it, it counts. Whereas the fan, that would that that's an anathema to the fan that goes against his moral code. And so that's what we, we landed on. If you had to put a, a label on it, you'd say that Arist, Aristotelian ethics or like um, virtue-based ethics. He's someone of temperance. He's someone who believes in justice. He's someone who believes in courage and he lives those values. Hmm. And that's why Duncan wrote a lot of about that type of stuff because I would have never been able to put it in words like that. <laughs> well, it certainly um, it certainly gives a huge um, background and, and no one could be left reading this and going, well, I'm not sure what the fandom we should look like. I was was highlighting there as we went through and looking at different things. So um, we talked about art styles there before. So, Jeremy, you've included a page as well, um, which links to, you know, uh, nearly two dozen fandom artists, both mm. most of the the most pop, well, most popular, most prolific, um, certainly most productive um, artists there. Um, how, how did you how did you enjoy going through and, and looking at the different artist styles? <laughs> yeah, no, look, it, it, it was fun indeed. Um, one of the reasons why I chose those is because, and one of the reasons why I wanted to include this was every artist has a different style. And, um, and you know, we know that artists have been told in before just copy Cyberry which, you know, while that's good advice, not everyone can draw like Cyberry. And so not everyone is Cyberry. And that's why I've, you know, I've included all the major um, newspaper stories, but I've also included uh, phantom <laughs> creators around the world that have slightly different styles, but they're always, they always have the consistency. And as you can see in here, you know they've all got different styles, but they all draw the phantom in a very in a very distinctive way. They, you know, the way they do things, the way they draw things. There's a consistency of the way how they how they draw the phantom. Mm. So that's that's one of the reasons why I've done it. Um, like for instance, Don Newton, you know, is different to a Wilson McCoy, but they follow consistency or they follow elements that. Are important to who the phantom is. Yeah, yeah, um, and it pains to point out the master cow character design elements, and and referring back to um, things like the costume, which which we've already yeah. Gone over. So um, yeah, I, I just yeah, I I just thought it was important to be able to say if you're an artist and you're like, oh, I can't draw like Cy Barry, but then it's kind of like I draw more like Janice Auden. They can say, well, hang on, he's different to Cybari or Alex is different mm -hmm. to Hans Lindell or you know or something like that but it gives you the ability to be able to draw your style your phantom but have consistency yeah yeah now so we've gone over the the essential or things that are must have and I, I would like to chime in on one of those things that uh, when when going through the artist things if you notice uh, 
if you uh, like in the chronicle chamber interviews if you notice you know i remember in kari leppanen's interview or not they were all specifically like all these uh, all the artists over here who are team fantomen ones uh, if you notice like in their interviews they were always told to draw the face like saiwari you know mm. so it's very interesting the way and it's not just them like i remember like initially with my cover work i was also given the same advice from uh uh hendrik salstrom because it's supposedly that there is a in, initially i was a little resistant to that fact because i felt like every artist should give their thing but then you realize that there are certain that size design is not just size design anymore it has evolved beyond that and it's become almost like how batman's you know emblem is you can't suddenly just change it to a i mean people have but it's it's that iconic or like the you know his uh his ears his bat ears or whatever you can't suddenly like change that so it it's very interesting to see how yeah even uh, sal beluto was told to draw the face like saiberry so it's very interesting to see how basically they approached doing a saiberry face on their phantoms because if you look at the anatomy and the body design and everything it's completely different to barry's all of them yeah. almost but yeah. when it comes to the face it's like a complete reinterpretation like they had barry for reference and they had to do that because the mask just doesn't look like it's just like like the phantoms ma- domino mask is now literally that with that inverted triangle inside wipes hmm Jim, what just while we're on Salvaludo's page, can I can I ask you about the the um, well, I'll be I'll put you on the spot. There's a there's a line here about um, I guess a value on <laughs> on Salvaludo's art, so, saying that it's too stylized and overly muscly. Is that um, um, where do you stand on the the Bible having your own values in it and your own judgment as opposed to what other? Yeah, <laughs> um, look. So yeah, it's it's a very, it's a very good point. Um, at times, you know, it it is hard to kind of put aside your personal opinion. Um, so yeah, maybe that line needs to be removed. Um, to to be <laughs> honest, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also think that I think the point I was trying to make is that you know that sometimes he goes overly muscly. Um, where other artists are like more athletic, yeah, and and so the the description on the Wilson McCoy page, which we're on now, it really is you know McCoy's phantom is shorter than most of the other depictions. Um, his phantom is also more athletic and uh, less uh, American excessive muscle in style. So um, yeah, so you certainly, I guess the the point is that there is a lots of different body shapes can make up the phantom as well, and I guess yeah. everyone's got that. as to what they prefer. And I also think that the artists have to like Salvaludo's art when he's drawing for the American industries for Herms is a lot more muscular than when he's doing it for Team Phantom. Just as a just as a different as an example. Sure. Um but yeah. So um yeah, so like when we're doing this I didn't want to like spend too much time on like the bio because you've got the wikipedia for that a lot of the pages linked to the wiki don't press on wiki because wiki's changed their url structure so i have to go actually go through and change all of those um yeah <laughs> oh, that's 
Um, <laughs> but, you know, so and we when we get into the phantoms and the characters and all that as well, they, you know, I do link to the wiki link so then that way you can, you can like view information about them and well, stuff. Have a look at those in a second because there's, as, as viewers on YouTube can see, there's a power of information um, in, in amongst those. <laughs> but let's focus on obsolete law. We've just talked mm. about all the essential law. Now, the obsolete law is, um, I guess, recognition of the fact that the Phantom as a, as a concept and as a character is nearly 100 years old. The world's a very different place than we were where we were 100 years ago. We've talked about this before on the podcast, Steve. Um, what are your thoughts around um, going through some of, I guess, those original Lee Fork stories and going, you know what, that doesn't stand up, let's not use that anymore? Because that's certainly um, the, 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 the aspect of the obsolete law page is to go, well, here's some things that were as part of the original depiction. So, for instance, the Phantom is not actually Lord of the Jungle, even though some of those first five or ten years of stories would have had the, the Phantom lording over the, the natives of the African tribes. Um, Steve, where do you stand on going through and going, you know what, these are things that fit their day but don't fit anymore? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, the character was nearly 90 years old, nearly 100 years old. You're going to have stories that are very much a product of their time. And one of this thing, you know, highlighting here, the Law of the Jungle, is definitely not that now um, and probably hasn't been for the last, oh, I'm going to say, well, my well, my time, last 40 years, I don't remember him really being the Lord of the Jungle, but always um, a great advisor to the chiefs and always invited into the into the tribal chief. Oh, he might even host them, but it's the tribal chiefs that are actually um, doing the, having their meeting and, and the founder. And it's just their present, maybe the mediator, I, I guess, but not lording it over anyone. He's the guy in the middle to, to try and um, make sure everyone gets a fair go. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you don't see things like trying to um, uh, play on the native superstition, I think, with the, is that the one with the, with the skull coming out of the, um, yeah, the old Smoke and Mirrors, Wizard of Oz type thing, try and fool, try and fool people. And, of course, you've got the, you know, I am the law here. And, he, and He's a protector more than a judge. Yeah, when you say I'm the law here, that sounds more like a judge dread type thing, you know, judge, jury, and executioner, which he's not. He's um, he's a helpful fellow who, if you came across him in, in the jungle, you'd be very, very happy because you know you're going to be in safe hands. Whether you're, um, you know, whether you just stumbled into the jungle or whether you actually live there. And, Jim, I know this was really important to you to make sure it's one of the first pages you worked on, if I remember rightly. Um, in terms of making sure that um, people don't slip into, more so that people understand who the Phantom is today. Would that be right? Yeah. Look, look, I think most creators would understand that the Phantom is not the law of the jungle. Uh, it's probably... Uh, look, there's, to be honest, this page could probably be worked on a little bit more. There's probably some more obsolete law that probably needs to be added. Um, I can't think of any at the top of my head. Um, but you know, this is probably a page where some could be added. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I just, yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's important to be able to, I guess also it could also be used more as like a defense of the Phantom as well as that. Yeah, that was the case back in the thirties and forties, but since the fifties, it's not really, yeah, it's not really. It, it's one of the the biggest criticisms mm. that people on the outside will have of the Phantom, those of you, you know, who don't know him like the fanatics do, um, 
you know, this white fella overruling all the, all the local natives. And it's just not that. And so it's important to say it was, yeah. but it's developed. Yeah, no, that's very, very good, Steve. Mm. Yeah. All right. Now, this is... Could we, sorry, can we just go to the criteria? Yeah, sure. I just think... So so this this criteria page, sorry, Dan, um, I'm not sure if he's, if he's remembered, but we went backwards and forwards over a lot of this. And this is kind of what's evolved from six months of discussions and even before that like um you know like we've we've talked about the bible in one way or the other probably for the last two years and we've talked about it with other people you know like is there a bible and i actually know that Mikel soul actually started a bible um back when well, he was editor team team Fantaman, didn't they try to put the family tree together that would be a, a, a really yeah one of the first times people have actually tried to map out the the continuity, which is what we started talking about, and and I guess in that way contributing to this idea of a Bible. I was hovering over the the Phantoms page before, mm. um, but yeah, it, you're right about the criteria because it's really worth explaining because you've said yourself that there are times where um, you know that you know there may be three, four different examples, whether it's from Moonstone, from Tim Parnham, from Fru, from from the newspaper strips. And and there has to be a decision, and, and you've alluded to this already, about going, well, I know there's these three versions, but this is the right one. This is the one that's going in the Bible. So this criteria page, I guess, goes through and explains how you came to those decisions. Yeah, well, I guess what, uh, just back up a little bit, a lot of this was actually kind of stuff that we've actually discussed is, you know, what do we do when Lee Fork contradicts himself? Do we go with the most recent one or do we go the one that is referenced more in both newspaper and Team Phantom End stories? So, you know, so a lot of these are all discussions that we've had. You know, I actually, I actually went back and had the discussions. And then, for instance, we've got an example. So in here, Lee Fork has had Princess Pure marry three phantoms. Yet, so the story that, we're, that we've gone with or the phantom that we've gone with is not the first reference. Um, but Lee Fork created a story which had the third Phantom marry her, and then Team Phantom Men also had Phantom stories where she was married the third Phantom. So that's a, you know, we could call it a, the, the Princess Pure rule or, or whatever you want to call it, but um, that's kind of like a, a good example of, you know, so. And I guess was, that's, that's yeah. the people. Sorry to jump in, but the, you mentioned there that there's three references or she's married three different phantoms. Now, one of those was in a story which went explicitly about that phantom meeting her, marrying yeah. her, da, 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 da. It was followed up by a, a, a Team Fundament story sequel, you know, whatever. The other two would have been single frames in a whole different story, which sort of, as an aside, oh, the phantom period yes. married this phantom. So in that instance, you've gone, okay, Lee Fork wasn't keeping track to know exactly which number Phantom he should have put in that little narrative box, but this story where he clearly focused on it and expanded it, that's the real one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you've kind of gone with... So you kind of have to juggle the whole recent most reference or, you know, or stuff like that. Like every contradiction... I think you can have like a loose set of rules, but every contradiction you almost have to not make up a, a rule for it, but you kind of have to go through the different rules to kind of see which one fits better. And sometimes, yep. 
sometimes it was like uh, Mikel uh, Lick can't join us tonight as well. But there was the six or seven of us, and it will be okay. Look, I've got this contradiction. What are, What are you guys' thoughts? And we're all like, um, um, and then someone will say something, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, but you can't do that because of this. And then they're like, oh, oh, uh, uh, and then you know, and, and then there's been other people involved. There's been uh, Andreas, has, um, you know, he's got his fingerprints in this as well. There's, uh, you know, there's the five of us. There's Mikel, um, and then there's even Tony De Paul's added some input and stuff like that as well. So you know, there's, it's not just what I think. A lot of the times when there's a contradiction and I don't know what to do, we've kind of had to throw it out to the 10 to the dozen of us and majority of the time we all kind of came up with the answer that we all thought that majority of us all agreed on and that's kind of what we decided to go with. And it's made for a lot of uh, fun late night messenger conversations. <laughs> or, or, or sometimes you wake up the next morning and go, "Oh my goodness, there's, <laughs> there's a what the hell happened there?" Actually, I think on balance they've come to the right. One thing you just said there, though, Jim, it just adds a, a, a fair bit of um, a bit of cachet. Authentic- <laughs> yeah, sorry, well, authenticity or whatever you like to say um, for the bubble. Uh, turning to Paul. The the chief strip writer, you know, who um, he has contributed to the um, to the Bible and um, yeah, so that's a, a huge feather in the cap, I think. Yeah, and look, it was something that we wanted to do. We wanted to be in communication with creators, and so every well, I won't say every, but majority of creators we've messaged them, given them the link, you know, some haven't had a chance to look at it. Some haven't used it, but, you know, a lot have. Um, and we made mention of uh, Shane Foley before. He's actually created a story to try and fit a story that I rejected from the Phantom Bible, uh, for lack of a better term. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's... And then uh, there was another creator, I can't remember, I think it was... I think it might have been Matt Kyle or another one where they found a whole that from the phantoms and they thought well i'm going to fill that hole Mm. so you know that's another way of it being used as well a way to get past some writer's block just start scrolling through the the phantom bible until the story jumps out at you yeah 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 so look i think that that criteria page is fairly important um you know it's not just what stories i like um and i don't like that story or i don't like that creator so i'm not going to include it um uh, <laughs> you know we've we, we've we've come up with like a, a a loose criteria and to be honest 90 percent of the 90 percent of it fits it's that 10 percent or that five percent or you know a little bit more where there's a real contradiction that is real it was really hard um we'll get into the phantoms later but there was um uh there was what was it was the seventh, eighth, and ninth phantoms gave me the most headaches. Mm. Um, and right. also, also, why, why don't we go 
we'll have a look at those in a moment. But um, I think that in terms of what you're saying there, really important, this line here, the list is an ongoing, ever-changing document. Now, I guess that's the the beauty of this being a uh, website uh, rather sure. than a published book is you get the opportunity to to uh, amend and correct. And, and you've already said that a few people have pointed out areas that you um, hadn't seen or, or because the, the, the amount of research, the amount of reading of phantom stories that must have gone into this, Jermaine, is just... Well, that was, before. I'm going to come back to it again. <laughs> that was the best part of it, was <laughs> literally... So the way I would do it is I would... So, for instance, we'll, we'll go to the Phantoms. Like I would pick, say, the first Phantom. I think I started off with the 15th Phantom or something. Just some random Phantom. I would read all the stories... That so you go to Phantom Wiki and find the... I would go to Phantom Wiki, choose get all the stories, pull all the stories out. I would read them all. Then I would scan all the comics. Um, and then what was what was really fascinating, and it's worth doing for any fan out there, is reading stories just of a particular phantom. Because you go along the journey with them. And I was reading the stories in chronological order. So, like, for instance, I was reading about how he swore the oath, about how his dad died, and then I was reading about how he met his wife and how his children were born and any stories about when he was a child or... And then you would learn about how he died and then you, in between you would have these epic battles and of, you know, of, of stories of, you know, key people that he fought against. And, and it, it was really hard... To, it was really hard not reading it from a fan's point of view and actually reading it from the Phantom's Bible point of view. Because like, I'll read the story and I'm going, oh, hang on. I wasn't even paying attention, so you have to go back and read <laughs> the story. And, and, and um, yeah, and so as you can see in here, majority of the time, sometimes they're a little bit out of order. I've got even the pictures are in the order of his life as well. Um, sometimes there might be one or two out of the way. Um, and all these images, you can click on them and it becomes larger and, uh, and stuff like that. So, But the, the, the biggest thing I found about these phantoms is that when you're reading just their stories, is that they have characteristics that you might have never, ever thought about. So if you just read one story, you won't pick up on it. But when you read all the stories, you're going wow, this Phantom was an extrovert. You know, like, like for instance, the 13th Phantom was a really flamboyant, over-the-top, extrovert type of Phantom. And you, you read that like when um, Lee Fort does a story when he's fighting John Lafayette, uh, the, the pirate and and stuff like that. He's, you know, he's flamboyant. He's, you know, he's got the fruffles and uh, his flashy swordsman. And, you know, and then in all the stories, whether it's by accident or whether it's by on purpose from creators, is that majority of the time, 90% of the time, all of those other stories had him as a flamboyant phantom as well. And so it's like, this phantom is a flamboyant phantom. Um, and then, how do you reckon that happened? Because this is this is the first time you're sort of observing that, putting it into this Bible that people can read. But prior to that, <laughs> is is that just coincidence that um, that that Ooh. those attributes have all come together by various authors? I think sometimes yes, but I also do think that um, look, 
I know what was the case with Team Phantom Man is that, um, especially Elf Granberg, and Elf basically, he's probably the, you know, without him even realising it, he's very key to what we've got here. Mm. Is um, is that he would he would provide his creators with a lot of stuff, um, and so he would, you know, like give creators stories or snippets of you know stories of photocopies or something of that specific phantom and stuff like that so i think sometimes it's coincidence but i think sometimes it was by design and maybe people have just never picked up on it mm. Mm. i guess a lot of the time attributes will like perhaps be given historically that people who lived about that time might have been more flamboyant or, or whatever yeah us but um, I think what's a really useful aspect of these, and I've come just going into the 17th Phantom now, but what's a really useful aspect of, of these, you mentioned before about being able to click on the, the pictures and, and uh, seeing bigger versions, I guess, there, but also the, the list of characters that you've included. So, of course, with the 17th Phantom, I've picked There Is No Wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's an error, so I'll have to look at that one. It's um, it's one of those ones. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but the, the point here, you can see, you've also included important characters in that in that uh, particular Phantom's life, um, with links to those, and um, we'll go over the other characters as well. But just to give people a bit of an idea, there's also character profiles for people who were in the circle of that particular Phantom. Yeah, um, I also I thought that was key because, especially for, like, say, like a rider, um, you're riding about the seventeenth Phantom you can kind of go, well, who's his wife? This one. Who's, yeah, well, maybe not the 17th because for some reason that's not doing it. So we'll choose another Phantom, for example. Um, look, there's there's things that probably need to be, um, you know, touched up on and, and stuff. And But that's why I'm wanting people to look at it so they can highlight problems like this one. Um, so let's choose a Phantom that's... Um, oh, you're going to give this... Okay, so... The Seventh Phantom, for instance, you know who the wife is. Uh, the other one that I really wanted to focus on was the um, the Bandit Chief as well. Is So, for instance, because, you know, then that way, you know, you're doing a story in the Seventh Phantom, you know who the Seventh Phantom's Grand Chief, you know, uh, Bandit Chief is. So it's, in this case, it's Zuran. And then you can have a look at how he's been drawn, so you can kind of get that, you know, um, the same. Uh, and then, like, for instance, if you're doing him visiting Morristown or something like that, you know what characters he's contributed to. There could be some um, characters that have been, like, main villains. So say, for instance... Um, uh, I'm just trying to think of one at the top of my head. So, like, with the 13th Phantom, you've got Gene Lafitte. Um, uh, then just try to think. Um, so just scroll up. Yeah. So then you've also got a scarecrow. Um, you know, you got Ben Oakes, who's who actually became, you know, certain people. Benjamin Franklin. People like creating stories with famous people that they've interacted with. So it's you know, if you're doing a story about the Thirteenth Phantom, and you're like, oh, look, he knows the Benjamin Franklin. Well, okay, I might tie that in with this story and so it kind of gives food for 
creators as well. And so they, they, you know, they can already use stories or characters that are created or that are associated with them that have been created before. So then they can, um, you know, uh, I guess, yeah. Now, now, how did you go reading every single story featuring <laughs> this one? The one on screen at the moment is the 21st Phantom. How, how did you go getting through those stories? Uh, to be honest, I didn't read those stories. Uh <laughs> I felt I felt like we kind of knew him fairly well. Yeah. Um, it was interesting picking up a a. I think the twenty first fandom is a bit of an introvert. Um, in reading some stories, I really got that that feeling. Um, and then I had to include this one. Um, so just scroll up a little bit. So in Team Phantom and Stories, there is a rumour that Sam was singing side by the fans. Son, at this stage, it's not clear who the father is. You know, again, when Andreas clears that up mess and it's not going to be the Phantom son, you know, that can probably get removed. But, you know, you, you can add and remove elements as you kind of... Mm. Um, and then, as you can see here, you've kind of got the timeline. Now, I wanted to really... The other thing that I had to do, as you can see in here, I've included stories from Team Phantom Man, but also uh, newspaper stories. I really felt it was to try and <laughs> um, include as many as possible, but I kind of used Team Phantom Man, or no, uh, so Lee Fork stories is the initial, and then Team Phantom Man to kind of fill in the gaps or when we went with the Team Phantom Man contradiction over the Lee Forks contradiction. Um, so, yeah, so, look, it was, a, it was a lot of fun reading the stories and learning about characters and stuff. Yeah, and just uh, as I scroll through the list of characters known to the 21st <laughs> Venom, um, that, that's a website in itself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and look, it's not exhausted. Of course um, not. You know, I've tried to, with each Phantom, I've tried to create a... Between between the the wife, uh, the bandit chief, there's probably about a minimum of five characters for every phantom. Mm. So, um, coming onto that characters page now, you can see the way that's been organised there. So you can go, all right, I'm I'm keen to see some secondary characters. The you can jump straight to the phantom that you want to go to, and there's also these links and. Um, just the, the the length of time it gets, well, here we are with all of the various um, band of chiefs who you've mentioned before, um, so useful for, you know, it just saves that that uh, split second of time going, oh, gee, what am I going to call the bandar in, in this particular story for this phantom? Um, and here we are. Yeah, Emma so they're all in alphabetical order and then obviously you've got your, um, your filter up the top. Yeah. Yeah, and fr from a um, an inspiration and creative perspective, this aggregation of this information is the the, the part of this tool that I keep coming back to. When uh, I've been trying to write a story that either that calls back to a previous phantom or or makes a connection to a previous part of the law, um, before Germ Germ started working on this project, it was a phantom wiki searching via you know 13th phantom and then going and dragging those issues up myself and that's why i started a notebook with different sections for each of the generations of phantom 
because as I learned things or as I was reading stories, I was making notes in those books um, so that I could sort of correct myself and not have to go back and dig through 2,000 issues to try and find something. The the Having those characters split down by which phantom generation they were linked to and a brief summary of who they were so you can go back and 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 target your research a little bit more would have saved me hours, uh, even though it cost Jermaine weeks and months, would have saved <laughs> me hours. And it, it is a phenomenal amount of uh, work and it's that, um, I guess it, that's where the Phantom Bible comes into its own because it's it's taking a lot of the data that exists in different places like Phantom Wiki, in the comic books, in Jermaine's encyclopedic head, and puts it in a place where the mere humans can access it. Hmm. Uh, another thing I would like to point out when because I've been actually going through it on my phone. So I, I don't think it's yet optimized for the phone, is it? Uh, sort of. Look, there's there's still work to go. It's um Yeah. So yeah. well uh, going on uh, like that point, like one of the things that always uh I won't say bothered or intrigued me would be you know, because uh, was is the twenty first phantom. The when, when the Bible came out, more than the other phantoms, mentally for me, it was always I wanted to know what was the twenty first phantoms thing because uh, phantom is a very interesting character and actually there is so much to explore on his past that I I think you know creators should actually start focusing on that because the twenty first phantoms timeline because I'm I'm seeing on the Bible you've placed it at nineteen eighty five. Right, I think it's, yeah. So it's probably it's probably it raises a good point there. Now we use we're using the timeline that was created by Team Phantomen, uh, by Elf Granberg. Um, now there's a couple of examples where it doesn't quite fit with the Leaf Fork story. One of them would be the Golden People, um, which. I originally had it as one store as one phantom, but then Shane Foley has had it as another phantom because the timelines timeline sort of fits, but like I think the phantom swapped over in nineteen fifty nine or something or eighteen fifty nine or whatever it was, and then that's the story that that's that that adventure appeared in. Another one is uh, Heloise, uh, the Hatner Witch. Um, so when Lee Fork actually uses dates in his stories can actually create some problems. Um, and so Lee, um, Ulf Granberg came up with these dates. Now, it's next to impossible to have the 21st Phantom from swearing the oath at 1959 and still being in action at 2022. We, I, you know, I understand that. That, that is a problem. Um, around the same time of coming up with this problem, that's what Team Phantom Man uses. Uh, Tony DePaul sort of uses it, but then Fru have released their generational cards, which uses mm. those timelines. Even though they've, even though Barry Stubbersfield had some incorrect data on those cards, um, they use those timelines. So it, it was kind of like, and I think we even started having this discussion is. What timeline do we use? Do we use this timeline? And then the cards came out, and it's like, well, Team Phantomen use it. Mm -hmm. Tony DePaul sort of sticks to it in somewhat, and now Fru have made it 
official that they're using it by posters and cards that kind of settled that argument for us you mentioned tony deep also i actually brought this up if you in the in the legal trade paperback you'll see there's a question which i specifically asked him that uh, how is you know how johnny hotwire going to turn up like in one of your stories because as we know and his answer was and why i'm talking about this 1958 number is because he said he cannot envision this is ironic from him like he cannot envision you know the phantom like you know beginning up at a time when you know elvis presley was still playing like that yeah that can exist for him there so that makes a very huge inconsistency in a way like when in the bible we are specifically mentioning 1958 uh, as the time of ascension and uh, he is writing a story where literally like i i don't know the phantom probably came like if if we look at the current daily story so this was my biggest concern that mm. in the daily stories the flavor has changed definitely because tony deepol has changed a lot of things from fork and he's a lot more mindful of continuity yeah and uh, but what it has added is when he's introduced more elements of technology and things like that and rather very modern contemporary settings it is pushing that narrative of also like whatever he's done with team phantom and there so there is a huge like like you know like a narrative issue with his team phantom and work and his trip work while he continuously still reconciles them by putting in little references of say aaron in his trip and like you know the like all that stuff or even the crocos like you know or the two crocos stories he actually put it on the strip where he said like i buried two people over here two bad people so that is like basically a team phantom and crocos stories so so for me the most amount of work for this phantom bible will actually be through the 21st phantom because it's unless we get a definitive like you know thing like when his ascension is and where it is it's going to get very difficult for uh, as the years to come for creators to write stories specific to 21st phantom yeah it, and, and it, it like yes yeah. it's it's not it's not perfect um and we have those inconsistencies in stories at the moment like um uh anything in the 19th century is full of danger um yeah. like for instance when it comes to the second world war uh in the story 1943 which was published in Phantom Men 2015 and Australia 1747 you're having the 20th phantom in the world war um uh then you've also got the aeronaut which is the the 19th phantom in world war 1 um and then you're having uh Paul Mason has the 21st phantom in Vietnam uh Matt Kahn on this podcast has talked about how the 21st phantom is season in like the 50s and the 60s so but it 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 is a problem i and, and of course you've failed to mention Lee Fork actually had the phantom fighting against the japanese in world war 2 in the phantom goes to war so, so yeah. yeah it's you you're right i don't have an answer for that i i look if it was up to me yeah you would have you would kind of push them all out and have the 21st phantom taking over probably i don't know in the you know what in the 90s or or you know or something like that you would you would have to do that but then 
I yeah, I, I don't I don't have an answer to, for that one yet. Um, <laughs> so I've just stuck with what Team Phantom has got. Um, because perhaps the, perhaps the alternate universe that Phantom fans have come to deal with is yeah. the fact that the 21st Phantom just exists at all times from about 1930 onwards. Yeah, well, yeah, he's I always think, the current Phantom. Yeah, yeah. I, I think most fans have probably seen him from about the 50s or the 60s. Because mm. I, th- I think most fans are understandable that it's now the 20th Phantom that's in the Second World War and maybe the 19th in the, in the First World War. I think most fans are kind of accepting of that and the story like the Phantom Goes to War is just an anomaly that was created for the time. But I, I, I'm not sure if fans are yet ready for the 20th, 21st Phantom to only swore the oath in the 1990s or... Or, or something. Um, well, he's, certainly, he's certainly not going to do yeah. it right. Like he's, it's, it's, um, yeah, it, it's a really difficult one, and it's, and this is a problem that was, um, I guess, the, its origin is in the fact that Lee Falk didn't really care about continuity too much, and he was for him the twenty first Phantom was always the current Phantom. Over the sixty years that he wrote him, um, he had, and we've discussed this on the podcast before. Had, he had every opportunity, at least once, if not twice, during his sixty years to finish the 21st fan and move on to the 22nd. And and that would have kept a continuity that would solve this problem. But uh, as it stands, it's a, it's a conundrum. I don't know that there, there is an easy solution to it. Yeah, I think that one's just... Put, let's put it in the too hard basket for now. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, willing to have the, I'm willing to have a conversation with some creators and, and, and fans on what I... Think to happen, but I think one of the things that I have always considered is I completely uh, I know it sounds sacrilegious, but I completely ignore the Ray Moore and the Wilson McCoy era. I completely ignore it because it just makes it a lot more uh, it, it's easier than just to like somehow fit in with you know because Barry's writing is very contemporary to the uh, that time of 61 when he took in. So if I practically think of you know, 61 is the time when the 21st Phantom took his oath. It would make sense in some way. Like with the Barry thing, 61, I can still put him sometime here. Well, maybe that's here, why, maybe that's where the 1959 comes from. Maybe Alf Granberg and the powers of Team Phantom did the same thing. Well, Ankit, I think you've just shown your tender th- age of 34 there because uh, uh, no Phantom fan is McCoy and more, surely. <laughs> no, it, it does definitely remove the chain of patience story, which I really dislike. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the chain of patience. Anyway, All right. let's, we've looked at the 21st Phantom. Let's focus on another Phantom that I know caused oh. some conditions for you, Germ. Um, and it's a, it's a real, I'm really interested to hear the story of how you solve the mystery of the ninth phantom when there's a, a very, we talked about dedicated Lee Fork stories before. There's a really dedicated Lee Fork story about the ninth phantom and the fact that he's the youngest of four boys, triplets to come ahead of him. And then he was the, the fourth son, uh, the name of the story, I believe. Um, and, uh, and yet, and he was born a runt in, in that story and, and is the shortest phantom and, uh, is the butt of jokes, but ultimately becomes the phantom. Um, 
And yet that that presentation of the Ninth Phantom doesn't marry up with a lot of other stories that uh, that have come before and since, it must be said. Yeah, look, I look, I know fans out there love the story of the fourth, the fourth son. Me personally, I can live with it or live without it. But I tried to, and you know, all of you will know this because you are all on, you know, the chat. I tried to marry up this discussion, this story in with it, but. The story in itself is full of so many contradictions, not only from Lee Falk, but also from Cyberry. Like, Cyberry drew devil into the story, uh, even though just in some random panels, you've got the, you've got the fourth son just, you know, doing it. And then he's got, you know, he's got devil with him. And it's just like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Not, you know, so there's that one. Um, uh, team fans, man, this is this is probably one of the one of the few times where I had to go with what Team Phantom Man created because they they've created so many stories about the Ninth Phantom's wife, and then the but even even the other stories that Lee Fork has wrote about the Ninth Phantom doesn't match up with his own story, which is the Fourth Son. Mm. So it really is an outrider of a story, isn't it? When yeah, it it's it's really it's really just different out there and it just doesn't fit. Um so I had to make the decision to get rid of it. Now uh in talking to Shane Foley, he he loves the story of the fourth son. And I know there's fans out there that really love the story of the fourth phantom. Um, so he has said that if he can create a story that fixes that, would we would we reintroduce the story of the Four Phantom? And the answer is, of course, we would, because you know if you know th- there's plenty of holes, and and I'm sure that he can create a story which will have the Phantom marry uh, the Mongolian princess. And then also um, marry Flame as well. So I'm sure there's a story out there. And that was the other con- inconsistency with this story is in this story, Lee Fork had actually moved Bangala back to India slash Asia region because it was a horse rider way for the Mongolian uh, emperor who was taking African slaves. So there was just there was just known as the horse warlord. He had they could go anywhere. Yeah, but it was just it was so full of inconsistencies. And the more I read it, and no jokes, I would have read the story probably five times trying to find a way of having a fit. And it's just like, yeah, no, there's just no way that this could fit. And so I remember having the discussion with you. I said Mm. with, with all you guys, and I was expecting a lot of hatred and. You know, be lynched and and martyred for my um for my writing of the Bible and um and, and stuff like that. Uh, but it didn't happen. And I think I think once I listed all the inconsistencies and the reasons why it couldn't happen, I'm, I'm not sure if you remember that discussion. But everyone kind of seemed okay with it. So um, I think yeah. you're just lucky you're on the other side of the country, mate. I love that story. <laughs> well, from memory, I love it. I haven't read it in 20, 30 years. But <laughs> yeah, and look, 
you got you also got to remember that like I was I was not reading this story from an enjoyment point of view. I was reading the story and how I can fit it with continuity, and it just did not fit. Yeah. Um, and there was a couple of other cases where I had to kind of go against Lee Fork and what he created, just because again he just didn't make sense in some of his stuff. Yeah, and and you certainly listed in the um, the criteria that common sense at the end of the day was one that that uh, you went with and and just what felt the most sensible um, for for that era for everything else we knew and how it would fit into the I guess the bigger picture of what everyone else has um, has created. So, mm. um, so the other one that that caused me a lot of trouble was Heloise marrying the seventh or the eighth Phantom. Um, Team Phantomen had. It marrying the eighth, I believe, and Lee Fork had him marrying the seventh. And there was no actual seventh, but there was a date mentioned in, in one of Lee Fork's stories. And at first, I actually went with Lee Fork. But then the more I looked into it, the more I realized, and, and you know, and look, we joke that I, you know, that I love Team Phantom and, and always side with them and stuff like that. But in this case, originally, I went against what Team Phantom Men said. And if you go back through the chat, you would just say, I made a decision to rebunk what what uh, Lee Fork, I mean, what Team Phantom Men have done. But then when I was redoing it, redoing Heloise and, and, and stuff like that, it was like I had to then backflip on my own decision and kind of go, well, no, I think Team Phantom Men's got it right here. So Wives was a particular problem, like uh, in, oh. in the... The, the sheet that you've sent us through, the you've just mentioned Heloise the, being the seventh or the eighth uh, Phantom's wife, um, the first Phantom's wife, Marabella, the second Phantom actually had four wives across various stories, um, the first and the second Phantom both marrying women with the same name, um, Pura, Princess Pura, you've already mentioned the the rule essentially that she created. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, so it's a, I guess, the, I guess the, the wives of the Phantom is always going to be for creators across the journey when they haven't had this Bible to go back to. Um, you want a romantic interest. You want a love interest for your story. And so lots of them have have brought wives or um, fiancés and, and phantom mothers into yeah. the picture. Um, yeah. But I haven't had the had the the support of a resource like this to to so so did you again was that a case by case where you just go okay what's the most sensible what's the most logical or is it more okay well this phantom the, the name's mentioned twice but here's how we could make that work yeah so it's a bit of a case by case using the rules that we created as a guideline. So the other problem that you have is, and this has happened a couple of times, and I'll give a couple of examples, first with a wife and then with a landmark, is that Team Phantom Men will create something that was then contradicted by a later story by Lee Fork. So the first one, I believe it's the 16th Phantom. Can you go to the 16th Phantom for me, please? Um, so where was it? The six Yes. So the 16th Phantom, Team Phantom Men created story. So the 16th Phantom is the one that had the twins. Um, and Team Phantom Men created it with Asta Jensen Walker. But then in a later story, Lee Fork had, a, had the Phantom, 16th Phantom, marry Annie Morgan Walker, which in the popular story, the Phantom's Cowboy. Now, we all love that story. So... But what Lee Fork didn't do is he didn't make mention or feature 
Annie Walker having the twins, but that was done by Team Phantom Man. So an obvious solution, and this is an easy decision, is that his first wife would have been Asta, I mean, would have been uh, Annie Morgan. She died before they had kids, and then, um, and then Asta married and had gave birth to the twins. Because there's stories where Asta has the children and is the mother of the children and stuff like that. So you can't have it the other way around because then you're you're creating more contradictions. And so if you do Annie Morgan as the first wife and then Asta as the second wife and the mother of the 17th Phantom and Julie, uh, Julie Walker, you can then marry both stories. You're not having to flick the Phantom's Cowboy, which, again, is like the fourth son are very enjoyable stories by a lot of Phantom fans. So um, does that kind of make sense? Mm. So, yeah, basically you're saying here's a, here's a way you can write a story and it makes sense with all of, all of the other things that we have. You're not going to contradict something else that's already out there. Yeah, um, and so, you know, if there's a writer out there, you could say, well, nothing's mentioned about Annie Morgan's um, death. <laughs> so you could create a story of the death which then leads into when the 16th Phantom meets Asta Walker, where there is a story where they meet. So, you know... Oh, look, the, a brave creator would make a story where Annie and Asta meet each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> that might make the Phantom Bible a little bit more difficult. Might have to uh, go back to that whole justice and uh, some of the essential law uh, around <laughs> ethics and moral code. <laughs> um. So the other contradiction that Lee Fork made after Team Phantom ended was actually the Phantom Head Peak. Yeah, now, we haven't seen the Phantom's World part okay, of it. Okay, so you don't want us to go, want me to leave that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's a, good, it's a good excuse to get across and have a okay. look at this tab as well, which is more of, um, you know, <laughs> we, we, the, the amount of work that you've done. Now we're talking about um, geographical locations around um, the deep woods and Bengala and, and beyond places where the fandom has spent time, um, essential parts of, you know, and, and even to the extent of here are some different rooms in the Skull Cave, the crypt, the chronicle room, the Skull Throne. Um, so anyway, you wanted to one, mention Did, one in particular. Um, First of all, I want to make mention, did fans know that the Skull Cave actually has a shower and a bath? Let's go to the uh, the bathroom. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> bet you, I'll bet you a lot of fans did not, have, did not know that it has an indoor waterfall and a bathtub. There you go, and has had since the Cyberry days. Yes. So, you know, and then there's the bath, which has been used in Team Phantom End story as well. Um, but it was a recent installation because Diana first used the waterfall outside the Skull Cave. And this is um, oh, down that path, yeah. So that, that's, that's Ray Moore. We've, we've had the waterfall yeah. since Ray Moore. We've got Cy Barry with the, uh, the share inside. Tony Ryan, uh, sorry, uh, Paul Ryan, I should say, depicting the... Uh, well, I'm sure Tony DePaul has written that there's the uh, the bathtub there, but as you say, also been brought up in uh, in Team Fundament stories. Yeah, so that was something that was that I that I actually enjoyed finding out was was remembering that there was a skull uh, that was a bathroom. All right, and uh, and the other the 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 landmark that caused you some concerns um, was the Phantom Head Peak. 
right. well, that's how much problems it's causing. It hasn't even gone gone live. Yeah. What, okay, what? so the Phantom Head Peak, uh, for example, is Team Phantom Men had actually created their own origin story of how the Head Peak first showed as the Phantom, and that was years and years before Lee Fork created the story where it was designed by Michelangelo, even though he would have been dead by then, um, and who was um, commissioned by uh, Emperor Jonka. So, you know, there's... So this is a case where you can't go with... Because I ask... There's no middle ground. Yeah, yeah. And, but you ask 90 phantoms out of 100, and they're all going to say it was created by Michelangelo, who um, who was commissioned by Jonka, because that, that's just the accepted law. But so you so you can't, but you can't go with the first mention, which was actually a Team Phantom Man story. So that's where this common sense rule, and I know, as we all found out during COVID, that common sense is not very common. Um, but it's one of those rules that we had to kind of introduce, where where it's like. You kind of have to scrap the Team Phantom Men story and go with the Lee Forbes story because that's, it makes the most sense and it's the most accepted law. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And um, and just to I guess finish the tour, we uh, if we click on miscellaneous here, um, we see that you've even got like for for the benefit of creators. What are some of the newspapers that have already been used? So you don't even have to make, make up your own time, uh, name. Who's in the Council of Chiefs? What What's the story with the Golden Ox and the Jungle Olympics? Are all <laughs> themes that have come through, and of course, this I'm sure is a is a section um, that can continue to to develop as we go. And, and all of this is obviously, yeah, yeah. Look, it's an involving beast, um, you know. And look, we're, we're not even touching upon the back end. There's databases that are related to databases and uh, <laughs> and stuff like oh, that. So, to each other, absolutely. Yeah, so for instance, if you click on um, click on Phantom's World again for us. So you know how we were talking about how there's the phantoms and the characters that kind of link together? Just yeah, click on Convent Island. So then there's also characters that link to key landmarks as well because yeah, convent island is of course um that that's the david bishop saga isn't it the, yeah the, yeah yeah the the fan of meeting kate somerset and uh, ultimately marrying her but um yeah so if, yeah so, so then patients to characters to phantoms yeah so um and that's again so that's so you can go into a deep dive and so you can kind of go oh, okay i need an you know i need an island or you need to learn about one of the the what do you call it the the countries around bengala so then you can go to there you can go ivory lana or rhodia and then you can learn the history and then you can learn about the characters that are related so for instance ivory lana will have um the president in there, president you know garando and, and stuff like that very cool. Very cool. Now, you, correct me if I'm wrong and you'll be able to point me to exactly where to find them. I haven't seen Hero and Devil. Uh, no, I haven't done those yet. Oh. Um, <laughs> Not relevant? <or? laughs> 
No, I was... Look, the essential law there. <laughs> it was... 21st Phantoms... Like, to be honest, the 21st Phantom and the characters of the 21st Phantoms were actually the last ones that I actually did because I was more focusing on, like, the past Phantoms and their characters and stuff like that. And, and look, you know, there's, there's still a lot, you know, and looking at it tonight, I'm going, oh, I need to do that, oh, I need to do that. I'm actually making notes as, as we're going through it and stuff like that, like, you know, that filter didn't work on this or... So, look, you know, the... You know, it, yeah, there's still... I, on purpose, haven't really delved too much in it in the last couple of months, purely because I've been working on it for so long. Um, it's, you know, it kind of all merges and blurs together, but re- redoing this podcast and redoing the notes and everything that we've talked about, again, for the last couple of weeks has really has probably reignited the passion. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, people will enjoy it and use it and so you know it will put the time to good use hmm. can i ask and, and we saw i sort of half mentioned this this morning um about the number of different authors and we've talked about lee fork and tony DePaul, um Alf grunberg as uh, as a as an editor as well we've spoken about are there are there some fandom identities that you would trust more than others like when you're tossing up possible stories are there some authors because there'd be hundreds and hundreds of authors um of published fandom stories over the time um and and, and a lot of the time any interaction may be just coincidental because the lack of a document like this in the past um so when were there times where you go you know what i'm just going to go with um this guy because he knows his stuff because he knows his fandom no i didn't discriminate against authors but i think there's definitely authors that are a little bit more trustworthy than some others that have maybe created one story or like there was one story um there was a team phantom in story he's created like four or five stories and he specifically says in his at the start this phantom had four wives and this is how this wife was found but it didn't marry and it's just like you know you know if lee fork or d paul or murphy or of granberg or you know someone that you trust maybe wrote that you would might give it a second thought but because he had created one or two stories and he's obviously just wanting to create some you know and it was a fairly average story and it was just like you know it was a story that we've actually reviewed on this podcast um you know he he has you know some and i remember i think it was actually you dan that really blasted the story so you know you're talking about is is some stupid lovesick puppy is chasing after this woman who then turns out to be really despicable and then the whole story he doesn't pay attention to the the nurse and then he decides to marry her and and like i've read the story and it's just like yeah you know i don't want to i probably shouldn't say it on the podcast because you'll know that but dan was right this is a crap story so you, you just ignore that story because you know one there's not really that trust there and... uh, this is a uh, hans lindahl's a plague in venice right <laughs> <laughs> yes that's the story yes and this was his last drawn uh, story it's really got great art and it just breaks my heart that the way you guys like blasted it but yeah i mean i i understand that the plot point was a little weak but not but 
But any Lindal story, like immediately the moment you tell me the plot, it comes back, and it's like, oh crap, we're talking about him. Yeah, yeah, and look, to be fair, he didn't write the story, so I don't want to annoy Hans Lindell too much because I still hang out and hope that I'll get him on the podcast for an interview one day. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I think this story actually won Best Story or something for Phantomen, you know? I think it actually won that. Yeah, um, I think so. Um, it was Dan- by Lundquist or someone, some... Uh, some yeah. Twists or someone, and he's won like he's done four or five stories, and he's won like two or three of best phantom stories. Yeah, so yeah, look, that story was I don't know, it just it wasn't it wasn't the it didn't feel like a phantom, um, and it, it goes against every other story that you've read about that phantom, and so it was just. It would have been a lot harder to ignore it if it was written by Lee Fork, DuPaul, or Murphy, or you know one of those key, the, the trusted authors. Yeah, one of those key trusted authors than than him. Like for instance, you know, the Fourth Son. I took probably two weeks trying to fit that story in because it was created by Lee Fork. I don't want to just ditch everything that Lee Fork has created. So. The same as the Heloise story. You know, I spent probably the, the most time I spent on any one character or one phantom was those two. It was the Lee Fort, Fourth Son story and Heloise. You know, I spent like two, three weeks rereading stories, rereading, trying to figure out a way of doing it because it's it was created by Lee Fort. It was created by someone that you trust. So you're trying to fit those in, but with this story... It was a fairly easy decision because it was one story that was by an outlier, an outliner that wasn't really by someone who. Yeah, so, so if I remember correctly, this is a second Phantom story, right? This was the second Phantom. I right? think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the sure second Phantom son is basically the one who is the one who marries, I think, uh, Shakespeare's niece or something, right? Yeah, the third fan of Mary's Rose Munda and then Mary's Queen Pure. But yeah, it certainly was the one who played um, Juliet in, in Shakespeare's yeah. play. And, and it was mentioned in the story, I think, Alec, that, that Juliet story, that the second phantom was like one of the most no nonsense and very angry phantoms, right? It was mentioned. Mm. It was, yeah. Yeah, so but, look, there was. In reading other stories about the second Phantom, that characteristic of the Phantom was true. Like with the way he conducted himself with his son, the third Phantom, where he was just like, oh, fine, I'm just going to leave you and I'm just going to go. Um, there was another panel in that same story, The Wig, where the Phantom fights Barber- Barbaria Pirates or and he's just like just deals with them in an angry way and stuff like that. And then there was another story by a Team Phantom Men story, which kind of hinted at those as well. So this is what I was saying about that there, there's definitely characteristics of phantoms when you read those stories in as a whole in isolation. Mm. So um, 
I'm going to put you on the spot here, Duncan, because um, we haven't heard from you for a little while, and you're too polite to just jump in. Um, the, the whereabouts, um, if you think about Lee Fork, how do you think Lee Fork would feel about the creation of this Bible? What do you think he might say, uh, or how he might respond to to this when he reads through it? I've got to caveat this by saying I've broken well, – one of the reasons I was silent is I've broken one of the rules in the Bible with a story that's with Fru at the moment that's getting the art done. <laughs> uh, and I'll let you I'll let you, you and the listeners find that out later. Um, and I'll take the heat from that then. Uh, I, I think from – and it's pure speculation as a fan because I've never met him, but uh, – when people have raised quick questions about continuity with either him directly in interviews or with people that work closely with him, it seemed to be something that wasn't a priority for him because the Phantom wasn't a priority for him because there were other things in his life that were more important and the Phantom was was paying the bills. And so I think my if, if I'm blunt, I think he would be offended that you questioned him. Um, <laughs> Yep. Uh, and, uh, but I think ultimately would understand the, I think he might not acknowledge it to your face, but he'd accept that because it would, it would mean accepting that his, his creation lived on well past his time. Uh, and for it to continue to endure, it needed to have, uh, people who cared about it tighten up some of those aspects of the canon. And I, I think he might not admit it at a dinner party, but in private he would uh, be appreciative that fans were as, were so moved and committed to his creation that they went to all this effort. Hmm. Well, good. Well, I'm going to be absolutely pouring over your next story to find out what the... Yeah, Leif... What's interesting is, I'm not sure if you have listened to the podcast with Robert Arman a couple of issues ago, um, and there's, he he hasn't said much about Team Phantom Men's stories, and I'm going to reference what he's said and what he's uh, said about Team Phantom Men's stories, because they've added to what Lee Fork has done, and so that's why I'm using that as kind of like a caveat of maybe a bit of a clue of what he would do is, I think at first he would say, oh, you need a life, son. That's probably what he would say. <laughs> but, um, you know, we all know we all know that's the case and that we're, you know, fans of PH. But um, when he when he's been asked about the Team Phantom End stories and when he has read Team Phantom End stories, he's always said that he has enjoyed them and he's enjoyed with what they've done. Um, there, Robert Arman actually relayed some comments from John Longstrom and Magnus Nutson, who actually had dinner with Lee Fork back in the 70s. And as the story goes, now I'm talking, and I know we're talking about a conversation that happened 50 years ago, retold by three or four people. So take it with a grain of salt, if you will. But when they told him about how they were moving the phantom in a lack of a better word to the left with aspects of 
um, which is, you know, again, listen to the podcast, two, episode 234, I believe it was. Lee Fort was really excited by it, and he, you know, liked what they did. Um, when, it, when it came to the Ozcon Aerolip map that he painted, he actually asked for a copy of that and for himself to have. So, you know, he, he liked that. Um, when uh, there's also a reference to the story of Devil uh, that was created by Leaf, uh, created by Team Phantom Man, which was then referenced in a Leaf Fault story. So he, you know, and then according to an interview that I've read, he's like that. So I think he was always protective of his of his character, and he always liked to do it himself. Dan- Duncan's right in the in the sense that. It wasn't his first love. It was his probably his second or third love. Probably had theatre, his family, and then maybe Mandrake, and then maybe the Phantom. In a lot of interviews I read, I feel he's probably more has more love towards Mandrake than the Phantom. But that's a discussion for another podcast. So I think he would. Yeah, I I think I th- I'm not sure if that kind of gives you a bit of an idea or, or something like that. But um, he was always complimentary when there was a good story. There's also a rumour, I don't know how true this is, but the Fratellis Sparta stories, the rumour goes that the reason they lost their licence was because Lee Fork did not like their stories and canned them. So, you know, again, that's just a rumour. But, you know, and when also when it came to the DC stories, he had a lot of input with those stories and really, really... Um, uh, like had comments with again, listen to your podcasts with Mark <clears> and Luke with those, and you will learn because we asked the question about Lee Fork liking the stories, and Mark especially was actually in the meeting with King Features and Lee Fork discussing where he was going with the stories as well. So yeah, look, I'm not sure if that actually answers your question, Dan, but it might add well, something. It certainly, it certainly highlights the fact that it's not. The work that you've done is not ill-considered, and you've certainly thought not lot, not just about what is the most sensible and what makes what most people believe or what most stories have been, but also you've got into as best as we can with the historical records that are presented to us. And, and Lee Fork Storyteller is a fantastic resource. If you haven't yeah. um, got a copy of that and been able to read that, I thoroughly encourage you to. But you've you, Jim, as as someone who's compiled this uh, this Bible document, has has also tried to get into the head of Lee Fork and uh, and try to understand what what would and wouldn't be acceptable as well, as best as we can. Jerm, yeah. I have a question. Uh, it's, I think it's been it's been on my mind from the beginning. We use your uh, Bible as like a resource for a timeline, like a, as, as a timeline, as a, can I say, like a proper timeline, if, you know, consistent timeline. So that, the, that there is a huge, uh, like, break-off point. Have you, like... Taking the strip and team Phantomen together via your Bible, does Sandal Singh exist and has that election in Bengala that happened? That is my most important question because that is the way you can jump off, you know, for like any writer trying to write the 21st Phantom. I think they should when I keep the, the, these things are very important things. To yeah. Keep in mind. Um, Look, that's a, that's a very loaded question, um, Ankit. I think, look, in one of the best ways I can explain that is in 
Leaf Hawk stories. In, in one story in particular, I think it's The Return of the Thuggies, 1990, 1991. Leaf Hawk makes mention that President Luaga was re-elected for his third term. He's currently in his third term in a Team Phantom End story. He's, he was originally president. He lost it to uh, Labunga. Then he came back, uh, retired, Sandal Singh, and then I believe there was a couple of others. And then he's taken it over in a, in a current Team Phantom End story. So, look, in a, and that's probably a podcast in its own anchor, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to answer that question satisfactorily, but I would say yes, it, in newspaper stories and in Team Phantom End stories, they can marry um, because you... A lot of the team, a lot of the twenty first Phantom stories are not time fixed as much as well. So, whenever he's visiting, you know, uh, President Waga in 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 a president's in the president's um, palace or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it, um, it could well be in one of the times when Waga is president, and when he doesn't visit the palace it could quite easily be when Singh or the Bunga is president or something like that there's yeah I'm not sure if that answers or if that satisfies you but short answer yes I believe they I believe it they can coexist but because there is a cause direct contradiction I would say like that also makes that point like team Phantomen used to edit the daily stories when they used to print them so that it would you know reflect the continuity yeah right? so yeah so for those who don't know if there was so during the years when luaga wasn't in office they would if the phantom would visit he would go visit um you know luaga at the doctor's surgery or something like that so yeah you know that that does happen but that's you know that's that's egmont that's an editorial decision on them. That's them trying to fit, I guess, the stories in with them. And I, look, just because they do it doesn't, you know, I, I believe there's an easier way to do it than that. And maybe, you know, because Fru have published both stories, you know, there's been scenarios where you're reading a story and Lager's not in, not in the presidency. And then the next issue, he's in the presidency with a, a Team Phantom End story. But, you know, it's just like if we pull out a, a back issue of The Phantom that was created 20 years ago or, you know, and I know some fans do this. They might even read The Phantom Goes to the Wall. They don't see it as the 21st Phantom. Some fans might see it as the 20th Phantom. So I believe that, yeah, we're not going to be able to make everything black and white. I believe there, there's, there's various, there's three ways you can probably go. You can either probably do my way, which is a little bit wishy-washy. You can probably do what, Egmont have done, which is edit the stories to fit Luaga not being in presidency, or you can do what Dan was probably going to say, and that is just ignore the Lubunga Sanders Singh stories. So, well, I um, guess it raises the question, and and you know, at the end of the day, readers are free to ignore. If you want to ignore the Labunga yeah. and, and Sandal Sangiri, you absolutely can. Um, and you, you don't have any less enjoyment of the fandom as, as a whole. Um, what do you what do you hope then that the Bible achieves, Jim? Like what's your ultimate goal for it? What 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 would you what would you like it to achieve? 
Um, less crap stories with um, inconsistencies, um, to be frank. <laughs> That's probably the number one goal is, you know, and look, we, we review these stories. Uh, and there's been numerous times, you know, even before we were having the discussion or when it was in its infancy, we were going, this doesn't match up with this. There needs to be a Phantom Bible. You know, that's what we've said. People on Facebook and social media have said the same as well. It's like, what's going on here? Why does that not fit with this? And so it's not just us hardcore fans who got nothing better to do and sitting on a computer reading Phantom Comics at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and, you know, typing stuff like that. It's not just us that are raising these issues. You know, I loved reading the message from the publisher, or no, the forum letters as a kid. There was always people, every second, third people, even now, are going, you know, oh, this contradicts with that, or that contradicts with this, or how can you have this and, and that? And so hopefully it it illuminates those. But then I also think that it's a it's a resource which... I was talking to one writer, uh, Dale McCanty, and he was, he spent, I think he spent like three hours or, or something crazy like that trying to find a newspaper publisher, like the name of a newspaper to include in his stories. Now, I would rather Dale spend three hours on the plot or on a key element to be able to do the story than something trivial like, you know, a, a name of a newspaper which is going to appear in one in one panel. So with that, if you're going, oh, I need a newspaper, go to the wiki. Oh, look, yes, there you go. It's the, it's the Daily Bugle. Bam, that's done. It's a 10-minute, 15-minute job. You can then spend your next three hours on a, on, a, on a key plot or something like that. I think that's probably the two things that I would like the Bible to achieve. Mm. Oh, and then also, when new publishers or new creators, I'm getting on my high horse here now, so I'll try to limit myself, is that when new creators or, or something like that, new publishers, so for instance, like when a publisher goes, you know, let's just, let's just say it's um, uh, publisher X from the USA has now picked up the Phantom License. You know, what's going to happen is they're going to read the Charlton stories or the King stories and go, oh, yeah, that's the Phantom. He's a purple Tarzan. Well, no, 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 he's not that. What should happen, and we have talked to King Features about this, is that King Features say, oh, congratulations, you've got the license. Here's a Bible. You know, we've also, and if there are any creators out there, <coughs> we've got a, a online depository of all of the newspaper stories and probably four, five hundred Team Phantom End stories and US stories and Moonstone stories in digital format, which is for creators. So, you know, the research, we're giving news the research to be able to spend less time trying to find something so you can create better stories. Hmm. And um, Duncan, again, put you on the spot as a creator. Um, you already indicated that that's going to be a useful sort of a tool for you. Is there, uh, and, and you know, I'll devil that get a little bit here. Is is there a double edged sword to this? Where, like you've indicated already, oh my goodness, I've I've made a mistake. Are, are you is there a double edged sword where suddenly the fans are going to know? Well, they already know a lot more than a lot of the creators, but 
um, you know, how, how does that uh, how, how does that sit with you? Are you going to be compelled to follow it? Most, like most rule books, Dan, uh, it's for the adherence of fools and the guidance of wise men is how I'm viewing it. But uh, the, the rule that I broke, I did with the consent of uh, Glenn Ford because uh, I acknowledged what I was doing. Um, and I think that it's a it's it's meeting with Jermaine's intent because it's a um, it is a fantastic resource um, and it's a guide. And so if if there's going to be a reason why you're going to break the rules and resurrect Bucky, you'd want to have a good reason mm. for it. But at least it lets the creator make an informed decision. Hey, it's Matt Kime here. Just want to share a few thoughts with you about the Phantom Bible. Really fantastic resource. It's been put together by the Chronicle Chamber lads. In a nutshell, I, I love it. I think it's a really fantastic resource. Um, I've used it personally um, just for fun. I've surfed through the pages. I've, I've uh, done a bit of personal research on characters. I've lost myself in there just looking at all the different aspects. There's a lot about um, the myth, the legend, um, all the basically all the things which are important about the Phantom have been compiled there after lots and lots of research um, for the benefit of writers and basically anyone that's interested in the Phantom. Um, it's similar to the Wikipedia or the, the Phantom Wiki, but it has, I guess, more of a focus for creators. So there's a lot of things that you need to know about when you're writing a story. And unfortunately, those resources, um, they're not provided by King Features or Fruit. Um, personally, when I was writing stories, I would rely on my own knowledge and I would look at the, the Phantom Wiki. Having the Phantom Bible is a really fantastic resource because everything you need, everything is right there for you. All the research has been done by the, the Chronicle Chamber Fellows. So that's about it for me. Um, I will just say that I have used it a little bit in preparation for my next story, um, particularly looking at um, aspects of the Phantom's childhood where he um, was brought up, what characters were involved in those early stories. Um, Lucy Walker or Sophie um, Nelson. Uh, that, those two names might mean nothing to you. They might mean something to you. But basically, if you're able to, get on, have a bit of a look around, see what you think. I think it's a, a really fantastic resource. And I think those guys have done such an amazing job putting it together. Hello, Mikael here. I'm not only the reviewer for Chronicle Chamber of Phantomen, I'm also the proofreader of Phantomen. And uh, as a proofreader, I use the Phantom Bible quite a lot, especially when it's historical adventures, to make sure that they use the right name on the wife and the horse. And it also have these great images, so I can make sure that, yeah, they look similar to what they should. And yeah, it saves me a lot of time to not have to dig out all of those comics each time. So yeah, thank you and keep it up. Happy phantoming. Well, look, I guess um, it's it's been a fascinating uh, process across the, the last 12 months to to see it unfold, German, to be in those conversations with you, to uh, bouncing ideas around and how can this work and and, and whatever. And uh, Unk, it's right, a lot of the time you, you bounce ahead and by the time we wake up in the morning, you've read the four or five stories that solve the problem and, and come back to us with the, with the information. The, the level, of, um, the level of, of work and the amount of hours you've put into this are just uh, phenomenal. It just can't be understated. We, you, you've said that you were taking notes as we went through. 
um, is this finished? When <laughs> at no. what point? Oh, that's that's it. Full stop. It's done. <laughs> well, I don't think it will ever be finished. Like a good example is uh, Pity Anderson created the story of the honeymoon. You know, the um, him and Jane have uh, going to Paris, and there's Paris. those six stories. So, you know, I was actually I'd actually created the profile for Jane and. What is it, the 18th or the 19th fan? I can't remember. It's late now. And so I had to actually readdress it and re-include images. And, and for instance, Peter explains why Jane is called Janie in one story and Jane in another story. So he explains that. So it's like, that makes sense. Janie is his brother's pet name for Jane. So, you know, you, you include that in, you include that in the, the profile and then, you include stories because it's like she's got blonde hair, so you know you do you you know you do that, and um, so no, I don't think it's ever going to be finished. It's going to be something that is going to be continually edited. Um, I look, it might be worth even mentioning if there are fans out there or creators out there that have created or have found inconsistencies in what I've done, which I'm sure there will be, uh, or want to help in any way um please contact us um because look many 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 hands or even if you just want to be involved in conversations or or you want to have a conversation with me about why i've done this or or something like that please contact us because um i think the more fans that are involved which could always be a dangerous thing but i think the more fans can can only be a good thing All right. Well, we're, we're obviously getting close to wrapping up. Um, gents, Steve, Duncan, and Kid, any any last thoughts? Anything that has been bubbling away? Any other questions for for Joe? Uh, well, there's uh, one thing that I wanted to ask also because if you look at you know the Bible as a as a repository of you know like factual information about the phantoms so that you can jump off uh, certain things, I would like to ask you like you know there are many holes to be filled my question is what stories would you which holes would you like to be filled most like which is the ones which bother you in your head like you know that this piece of information is missing so there was a couple of deaths of the phantoms that weren't uh haven't been explored yet um there's even a couple of wives as well um uh, look, a popular one that comes at the top of my head is I think it was the fifteenth Phantom who married an unnamed opera singer or something like that. So, you know, like there's there's those holes in there. Um, uh, you know, there's some phantom some fan, phantoms that are married more than one wife, and so you know you could have a story about how that happened. Like for instance, we talked about the sixteenth Phantom. Um, you know, how did Annie Morgan die or did she d- not die and leave the Phantom and then the Phantom married Asta? You know, did they then meet afterwards? You know, you know, so there's all those type of things. Um, uh, but the deaths, there's a couple of deaths that haven't been explored yet. And if you go onto the Phantom Wiki, look through the Phantoms, it'll actually say, you know, this death has not been recorded yet or, or, or something like that. So, hey, you know. That's in the Bible, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe I can't remember the exact phantoms, but um, 
might have been the 11th or, or the 7th or, or something like that where there's a couple of deaths that haven't been explored yet. Cool. Um, Steve, Duncan? It really is a phenomenal resource. There was something I was uh, just doing for my own little fun um, a couple of weeks ago, and I'll probably get back to it again in the next week when I finish up work. And I thought, oh, it was about places. Oh, oh, I just needed a couple of extra places. But where the heck am I going? Ah, the Bible. <laughs> went, went, yeah, put on the website, bang. I was, yeah, I was able to find what I was after. Hmm. So even for you know people who aren't creators, aren't writers or, or authors, it's a great resource for, for the hmm. fans who are just you know doing a little bit of mucking around. And so one looking. of the, one of the things I'm working on in the background also is the countries that are actually around Bangala. Like in Lee Falk's stories, there's he, every story he lists a new country, and hmm. um, and so I'm, I'm I'm trying to come up with. And I actually originally started off as an article and then I'm thinking of making it into an article and how I'm going to do it and then putting it in the Bible. Um, but, yeah, that's another thing that I've kind of got percolating, I guess. Mm. Is, um, you know, another one would be the um, Misty Mountains. Um, I've, I've come up with a theory, and I'll say this here, of how the 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 mountain kingdoms came into being and that is when uh when the six fandom was it the six, no, the six fandom who created the jungle patrol he in one of the panels there was the the jungle chiefs and and, and stuff came and paid tribute to basically found the jungle patrol and then after that Jonker came along, and so in typical fashion, what happens is is someone rises up, swallows all of the surrounding kingdoms and tribes and stuff, and becomes a superpower. And then what tends to happen, which is happens in history and with Alexander the Great and Genghis Khan and all this other type of stuff, is that when he dies, it's split up into various kingdoms. And so all these kingdoms that have been split up from the generals, and we read about it in a Lee Fork story, is could be the the Misty Mountain kingdoms, which are kind of like you know they've got they've got their own little kingdom, which are actually founded from the breakup of uh, Emperor's Jonker's um, uniformed joined kingdom. Hmm. So again, that's you know watching. TV, watching, a, I think I watched a TV episode on Genghis Khan or, or something like that, or Alexander the Great, and then learning about how they split up, and then it's like, oh, that could, that makes sense about how the the king, the Misty Mountain Kingdoms and, you know, where did they come from and, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, look, you know, I'm sure there's some stories um, mm. there as well. Mm. Mm. Very good. All right, uh, Duncan, do you want the last word? Uh, I'm going to say that Tony DePaul can have the last word because he, early on when you embarked on this germ, he compared you to Sisyphus, which I think is uh, an appropriate comparison given the size of the task that you've taken on. But you've done an exceptional uh, job and it is an amazing resource that you created. Uh, but I'm going to refer to, for those still uh, reading along at home, issue 1032, the Blockbuster special from, I think it's 1992 or 1993, 
And in the Phantom Forum letters section, I've found something that I think is relevant to uh, what we've been talking about. Uh, and in it, uh, um, dear forum, Andrew Bott from Mafra, Victoria, writes, will you ever print a Phantom Family Tree or has this already appeared? If so, could you tell me in which edition? And Jim Shepard has written back, no such family tree has ever been published. The reason is that Lee Falk has never detailed every Phantom since the first and for that matter has left at least two gaps in the last wives of the Phantom, Jim Shepard. The very next letter, dear forum, does anyone know the exact lifespan of each Phantom? I've noticed that almost every time a frame is drawn of the crypt, the inscribed dates and the resting place of previous phantoms varies. The closest similarities appear in issue number 1000, and he quotes it, number 1001, and in issue number 1026 has an inscription 1901 to 1943. This would have to be the 20th phantom. Is there a drawing existing in which all the crypts are shown? Jim Baker, Seven Hills, New South Wales. And Jim Shepard writes back, Jim is right. There have been so many conflicting dates shown on the phantom crypts. The answer to the lineage question is, no. See the above reply. There has never been a single drawing showing all the crypts, which of course makes it impossible to even attempt to trace the line. What we intend to do during 1993 is research all year spans, make a list and punch the lot into our computer. You never know, we may be able to piece at least some of it, all to, some of it together. But please don't expect an immediate answer. There are many weeks of work ahead and in this office, we rarely have much spare time. Jim Shepard. So in 1993, Jim Shepard may have been true to his word and Dudley and Glenn might be cleaning up the office and find the solution to this problem somewhere <laughs> and save you a lot of trouble. But until then, Jermaine, I hope you can sleep well tonight knowing that it might be 20-something years later, but you've set up Jim Baker of Seven Hills, New South Wales. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you remind me of, I think it was in the 1044 or 1043 um, Phantom Goes to War issue. There was actually two fans. I believe one of them was actually Peter Stephen, who a lot of fans would know who's um, on social media, who actually tried to create a Phantom lineage tree. So they had like the Phantom, year born, year took over, wife and stuff like that. And there was a lot of gaps in it. And then... In comparing the two, and I think Jim actually highlighted this, there was a lot of contradictions with, within each other, and they were like right next to each other, and they were just referencing Lee Fork stories, and yet they couldn't even agree on the wives or dates and, and stuff like that. So, look, yeah, people were trying to do this 30-odd years ago. So, um, yeah. yeah. And you've got 30-odd years of more stories and further complications to throw in the mix. <laughs> on top so look perhaps the best solution for an author is to have a read through the bible find your best path of best fit and be vague so you can't be healthy <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. right well thanks very much everyone it's been a fantastic uh, deep dive into into this awesome document that uh, that largely germ has created by far and away largely germ has created um, lots of conversations, but all of the the hard yards and and as you've, you've alluded to there, Germ, the behind the scenes stuff. Have you have you taught yourself much about creating web pages? Um, well, luckily, I do have that background, and um, I have enough knowledge to be dangerous when it comes to creating databases and and stuff like. That. And I actually had to create it all from scratch. Yeah, um, I tried finding a, a a tool out there, didn't work. So then I had to 
um, learn how to do database and MySQL and all this type of stuff um, using Wix, which is a different beast of its own. Um, and then I tried, there was one or two times where I like literally hit a wall and had to go away and like some of these, you know, like, um, you would have seen it when you've got the little filters at the top and all the little bits down the side and all that, you know, some of that stuff took me like, you know, 10, 20 hours to figure out how to do and many hours of the night I'm, I'm working all the way and tap, 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 tapping. And then I'll look at look at the computer and it's like two o'clock in the morning and I'm just like, man, I'm going to be up in three hours. I better get some sleep. And so there was plenty of nights like that. <laughs> well, look, I'm sure that everyone who goes and checks out uh, fandombible.com um, is going to be very much appreciative of the work that you put in. And it certainly would encourage people to to hit us up on the social medias, wherever you, you've seen this podcast or, or any links to the Bible. And um, as Jim said, he's more than open. He cannot talk about the phantom enough. We cannot keep up with him. <laughs> um, so anyone else who wants to join in on the chat and have those conversations, he will absolutely be a, a, a ready ear for you. Um, so the best way to find uh, find us and, and Jim in particular is obviously the website chroniclechamber.com. You can email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. And, of course, looking for Chronicle Chamber on um, Facebook in particular, but any of the social medias um, is uh, is where you'll find a lot of links and, and ways to communicate in particular. And, of course, uh, um, you've been listening to the podcast on Spotify or podca- or YouTube, so make sure you subscribe and all the rest of those things. Now, one thing we, we haven't mentioned and we absolutely must um, is the contribution that Patreons have made to this because it's it's the money that uh, goes... And this is one of the things I guess people may be going, oh, what you're a pretty simple little podcast and website. What's the what's the money go to? Um, this is something that, as we've said, has been cooking behind the scenes for twelve months and hasn't been released. Uh, but again, without the uh, the the funds provided by our patrons, uh, just couldn't happen, could it, Jim? No, no. So you're right. Um, the money that you know, Patreon. It's, it's hosted. You got the domain name. You've got the database. You've got the uh, hosting. As it's, there's a lot of images um, and database. It's quite a larger website, which means it's costed more. Yep. But Patreon's paid for that. You've also paid for the Lee Fork, uh, the, or the you know, Australian chapter of the Lee Fork Memorial Bengala Explorers Club dinner website. Um, so you know all of those. Basically, Patreon helps pays the bills, and this is an example. Um, it is. <laughs> Sorry, it is worth making mention that um, Patreons were told about this probably about three or six months ago as well. So um, they were some of the first to uh, look at this website and give feedback on it as well. Mm. Yep, absolutely. And uh, one of the ways we're we're all thanking the Patreons is uh, that they've all been sent a uh, a Chronicle Chamber stubby cooler. There's mine um, that's been serving me well tonight. That's the black version. Um, the um, those are available for sale too. So if you're not a Patreon and you would like to jump on and, and get yourself a Chronicle Chamber stubby cooler, um, the best way is to actually become a Patreon, of course, because that'll line you up for the next lot of gifts and and all of the next lot of information that you can. Uh, um, received from the from the the group here, but um, you can also jump on and if you're keen on a, a late Christmas present, perhaps um, we can get these in the mail in time for Christmas Day, can't we, Jim? Uh, yeah, I don't see why not. So if you're listening to this early December, um, as soon as it comes out, <laughs> make sure that you jump on. If uh, this is one of your uh, longer podcasts that you're going to listen to while you're <laughs> yourself on the beach over New Year's, where well, you probably missed the 
Christmas presents, but I'm sure there'll be a few podcasts still available. Uh, sorry, a few stubby coolers still available. Um, all right. Is there anything I've missed there, gents? No, I think I think it's been long enough. It certainly has, but it's uh, nowhere near, it's just a fraction of the time that's been put into that you would need to take to read the website, let alone create it. So um, thanks again, Jim, for all of the time you've put in on behalf of all of the fans and um, not just the fans who want to explore the website, but also the fans who want to enjoy new stories that keep to the lore and show the fandom as we want him to be seen. So thanks very much, mate. You've done a great job. No worries. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who looks at it, and I hope you like it, and I hope uh, it, it is some... It is of some use to creators, publishers, editors, and the fans as well. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, Ankit. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just like honored to like, you know share this platform with you guys. It's always great to come. Thank you. Good on you, mate. Thanks very much, Dan. <coughs> Appreciate you taking the time. More than welcome. Happy fanoming. Very good. Stephen, it's uh, well past your bedtime there and on a school day, I'm sure. <laughs> it is a little bit, but it was worth it. And a shout-out to Stephen. Uh, Stephen, you're looking very good, mate. Oh, well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you on the video, <laughs> going to try and keep up my appearance a bit. And I've been able to wear a Phantom-related T-shirt today. Yes. I, can't wear my, I can't actually wear my Chronicle Chamber one anymore. It's like a parachute on It's really big. <laughs> uh, maybe that needs to be the next lot of Patreon merch. I think we need to do another run of uh, T-shirts. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much again for everyone for listening or watching. Um, and until next time, enjoy your Phantom comics and, and happy Phantoming.